it's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. Sometimes we make decisions with our kids on how we think our kids are going to feel in the first 10 minutes versus thinking about 10 months or 10 years. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience that person. Yeah. Here are your hosts. David and Danita Bailey. Well, good evening and welcome to School Days Help for Moms and Dads of School Age Kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm David Bailey. The Surgeon General has declared e cigarette use by youth an epidemic. More than 3.6 million U.S. youth, including one in five high school students and one in 20 middle school students, currently use them. Serious lung injury and even death have been associated with vaping products. Because of the threat to schools and to students, school officials are mobilizing nationwide to bring awareness and to keep vaping out of schools. So, David, uh, you were a little bit on the fence about this episode at first. You were like, you know, how much of a problem is it really? And you're kind of questioning whether or not we needed to do a show about this. But, you know, you're you teach elementary school, so it's not. No. Oh, that's right. You're middle school. So have you not seen much of a vaping issue in your school? No, not. Well, I haven't seen it, but that doesn't mean that it's not happening because a lot of things happen in restrooms um, mm-hmm. that I, 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 I'm going back to I'm dating myself here. That song in the 80s, Smoking in the Boys Room. Remember that song? You, How's it go? You not trying to you try to get me you try to bait me to sing. <laughs> hey, you know, I think <laughs> um, was it Cheap Trick? Was that the name of the That sounds about right. Yeah. Cheap Trick. If I'm wrong, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it it's not like I'm thinking it's cheap trick. And I remember uh what we used to call we used to call the group of kids that smoked in the bathroom the burnouts. That was the name that was I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure what it's called. I'm not sure if it's but but they were the smokers and you'd walk in the room and there's a cloud full of smoke. Um, I haven't seen it at my school per se, but that doesn't mean that it's not happening. Um, but apparently it is at, on a very large, very, very large scale. Very, so, very large scale. Yes. I've seen a lot of adults do it. Mm-hmm. I, see, I see adults vaping all the time, but I haven't seen a bunch of kids, but maybe it's maybe it's an underground thing. I don't, I don't know. Well, and, you know, the kids that we would be hanging around would be, you know, our kids age 12 and under, so... Yeah. We wouldn't have much of an opportunity to see it. Yeah. So I guess the 2021 version of the song would be Vaping in the Boys Room. Would that be the. Was, was that just an epic <laughs> I think fail? They still smoke. Really? It's regular cigarettes? Well, not in the bathroom. Did they? Uh, I don't know. I don't hey, know. I've, I haven't been in school in quite M- some maybe time. It's, maybe it's more of a high school. I mean, we'll find out. But I'm thinking that maybe more of a high school, and I haven't really been on high school campus as much. So mm-hmm. anyway, I would call it Vaping in the Boys Room. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought this baby is not allowed in school. You know, <laughs> man, this is such an epic fail. I know, right? I was like, "Good lord!" I thought this banter was going to be a little bit more. <laughs> and they're like is. these ig- these ignorant fools. They're just, they're just laughing at us. Look at them. Like, and this, these we need, yes, you guys come on and please help us. Yes, and this is why we do not we do not claim to be the experts on this show. We invite experts to talk about things. 
Yes. But before we go any further, let me just say it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in and add the hashtag school days show and hashtag I am school days. And also we want you to be a part of the show. If you have questions or comments, give us a call at 214-444-5575. Or if you are live with us here on Facebook, you can drop us a question there. So without further ado, we want to uh, introduce our guests. We're actually going to have our guests introduce themselves. Um, Our first guest here is uh, Jennifer Folkenroth, and she is with the American Lung Association. So Jennifer, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having the American Lung Association on to talk about this topic today. Um, I am the National Senior Director of Tobacco Programs with the American Lung Association and the Tobacco Cessation Content Expert, really working towards adapting uh, programming initiatives to help combat tobacco use across the nation. I'm a certified tobacco treatment specialist and have been working in nicotine addiction for the past 17 years and have assisted over 1,000 individuals, both youth and adult, in successfully breaking free from their dependency uh, on nicotine and tobacco. I'm an ex-smoker myself, so Mm. my passion comes through to my profession, and I'm grateful to have that, Um, as well as a passionate mom of two, um, really looking to make sure that our future generations are as healthy as they can possibly be. So thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for your work. We appreciate all that you're doing. And our next guest is Dr. Matthew Gibbons. He is with the Richardson Independent School District. So welcome, Matthew. Hey, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Um, Mr. Bailey, it was Motley Crue. Motley Crue. Oh, Motley. yes. I knew. I, yeah, I knew. I was. I knew it wasn't uh, Duran Duran. That they're, they're, they're a little too soft. You know, you know. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't Motley Crue. Uh, All right. Thank you yes. for that correction. I felt You're like welcome. I was right, but that's, that's I know I was I'm here for. Right street. I was on the right street, just at the wrong house. Wrong, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, thank you guys for, uh, you know, inviting me on. Um, again, my name is Matthew Gibbons. I'm the chief executive director of student services in Richardson ISD, which is a fairly large suburb. And um, just north of Dallas, we serve about 40,000 students. And um, I've been in the district for about for 20 years now. This is my 20th year. I've been a teacher, a behavior specialist, uh, administrator. Um, I have supervised elementary campuses, and this is my fifth year as the chief executive director for student services. And one of the areas of focus that we have is is drug and violence prevention. So I'm excited to be here and, and, and talk about this subject. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Let's go ahead and just dive right in. Now, I was talking to both of you guys before we we started the show and just saying I was really ignorant about vaping. I've never been a smoker. I do know a couple of people who vape and have, you know, had a little bit of curiosity about it. But as I was researching for the show, I did a really deep dive. Um, But there are going to be people out there listening and, and viewing that don't really know what it is. So what is vaping exactly? 
I'm happy to take a first stab at that one. Uh, so, you know, vaping is the use of an electronic nicotine delivery system or ENDS. It can include a variety of different devices though. So um, don't be fooled. They're all tobacco products, uh, just in different costumes um, than the cigarettes and chew and, you know, the traditional tobacco products we've been used to. So it's not, uh, they uh, come in I'm sorry. So it's not healthy smoking? It's, it's not healthy? <laughs> Unfortunately, I think I'm going to break that bubble for you, David. It's, a, <laughs> it's um, uh, I, unfortunately, the evidence um, is coming through to really prove the harmful effects um, that e-cigarette and vaping has. And particularly, of course, American Lung Association, I'll be talking a little bit of the impact on lung health, particularly. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, um, uh, there's a there's a lot to be concerned about with these products. They come in a variety of different forms um, that can be really sneaky. So, David, you're saying you're, you're middle school. So, um, you know, one in 20 middle school students, um, you know, we're realizing are doing it. It's one in every five for high school. So you're going to have a little bit more prevalence um, in, in the older ages. But e-pens, e-pipes, e-hookahs, tanks, refillable mods, pre-filled, refill cartridges, a uh, variety of different carts. Um, it is uh, really an endless list of the various different devices um, that are available. The most common you know, devices for vaping among teens include e-cigarettes such as Juul um, or those disposable such as the Puff Bar. The Puff Bar. What's that? Yeah, what's the Puff Bar? <laughs> yeah incredibly concerning as well. So the, the puff bar, if you look in the early design of it, looked a lot like an inhaler, um, you know, for, for treating asthma. So you can imagine the alarm um, uh, that and discouragement that we um, sensed the second we saw this device. They come in a variety of different forms. So even looking as though it's a, a flip out key, um, or uh, some of these devices can even look just like a pen um, that you would just jot a note with. So they mm. are incredibly discreet and they don't stand out like normal traditional tobacco products that we're used to. Which is kind of the idea, huh? Exactly. Yes. So on um, social media today, somebody I had posted about this episode and somebody said, it's not an epidemic we're, you know, I'm exaggerating this. And so I do want you to um, kind of uh, uh, address that and tell me, you know, how, how much of a problem is this exactly? So according to the, you know, National Tobacco Youth Survey, the, the Center for Disease Control has stated the, the one in five, the one in 20, and please know that we are talking about ending the epidemic among our youth. Um, and, you know, we really are talking about healthier future generations here. E-cigarettes entered the United States marketplace in 2007 uh, and became the most commonly used tobacco product among our youth starting in 2014. So for the last seven years, it has been the most commonly used tobacco product among youth across the United States. The Surgeon General has declared youth vaping an epidemic and reports, you know, e-cigarette use among youth is a significant public health concern and steps must be taken by parents, educators, especially policymakers, to really discourage use of these products. Um, it absolutely is an epidemic among our youth. 
So, so how how young are we seeing children vaping? I mean, we see it's lower in the middle school level, but how how low does it does it get that we start seeing people starting to use vaping? Doctor Gibbons, do you want to take a stab at that one? Sure. Yes, ma'am. Um, and that's a great question, Mr. Bailey. We we've been tracking our you know our numbers, so to speak, about uh, vaping. So when a student is caught with a vape, we we track that through a you know our tracking systems. Our behavioral tracking systems and um, we've seen an increase in our elementary schools even this year and I know we'll probably spend a little more time on how we will address that but um, we've seen a steady increase the last three years of elementary students in fifth and sixth grade being caught with vapes on campuses you know a pretty significant increase this year yeah you know, I was I was going to guess at the intermediate level that fifth sixth grade level um, that that's probably where because that's when kids are transitioning to that preteen age right there um yeah that that, that sounds that's not like that'll be a, a, i know when i thought sixth grade it's just a it's a time of transition and so i can see a lot of kids doing that there um why, why is vaping uh appealing to young people what, what what's what's the what's the appeal of it well i can start to share just a little bit from the school perspective and i know miss wilkenroth will have a lot more information in regard to that but the way that it's marketed for us and the things that we have to um, share with the students is that, you know, the flavors that it comes in, even, you know, the, the advertisement, the way that it looks, the way that it's caters really does cater to youth um, is a big battle um, for us. Um, I know for older, older, um, older students that we've talked to and, you know, at the high school level, a lot of them did start getting into it because they thought it would help them quit smoking, mm -hmm. you know, or their, their, their parents smoked and they, their parents said, don't do what I'm doing you know, do the vaping thing that that'll be it's healthier for you, you know, it's just totally misinformed, but it's healthier for you it won't, it's not as addictive, do that instead of the, the smoking thing. And so we fight a lot of the marketing and um, just the flavoring from the school perspective. Yeah, I actually, again, I did not know much about vaping. And so again, in my deep dive, I looked and I was like, okay, so what is the appeal of this? And I found one flavor, there are some really yummy looking flavors, not to, you know, jump on the bandwagon here, but like there was a butter cookie. And it sounds like, you know, you've gone to Baskin Robbins and you're ordering something the way that they are um, describing this flavor. Say it. Oh, go ahead and say it. Okay, Break it down. I, I did type it out. It said crumbly butter cookie. No, no, you have, you have to put your, your lounge voice on. <laughs> okay. It's a crumbly butter cookie fresh from the oven featuring a sweet golden brown butter flavor with an ultra. And it just goes on and on. And I was like, there's, yeah, if I was a kid, I would definitely want to do something like this. And, you know, it's got the cool factor and whatnot. But again, a lot of kids don't realize um, the dangers of this. You yourself, Dr. Gibbons said that parents were encouraging their kids to do this instead of the smoking, that it's the healthy alternative. So you have a, a lot to um, kind of combat then there. I do want to ask you, um, Dr. Gibbons, because I kind of found you um, from um, some news reports, um, because I know Richardson had been trying to deal with their vaping problem. When did you guys realize that it was a, a real issue? Yes, I was on the news. Yes, thanks for. <laughs> <laughs> it was I, it wasn't actually the news. It was a, an article. <laughs> oh, the news, our news article, news article. <laughs> Um, no, in all seriousness, um, in 2018-2019 school year, we we had a just a outrageous amount of vapes, and not only um, 
just the standard electronic cigarette e-cig stuff. It was the THC vapes, which are, you know, they're marijuana derivative. And, and that for us, um, for kids who are caught with that at, in public school, you know, that's a, that's a felony offense. And so we, before we knew it, we had sent um, over two dozen students to uh, juvenile justice, to an alternative education placement. We had expelled them from our district because they were caught with these THC vapes. Mm-hmm. And so before we knew it, this was happening. And um, that was where I knew that we needed to make a change and we needed to stop what we were doing and reevaluate what was happening because we were, uh, we were not doing good for the kids by just sending them out of our district. So we started to really evaluate it from there. We started tracking the data in, in the spring of 2018-19 school year. We, we got it. Um, an anti-vaping task force together. We, we got people together and we really got a plan in place for us to launch for that next school year. So it, it's been about, about two and a half years since we really, really started um, implementing a sound practice in place for, in Richardson. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the THC. So being caught with a uh, uh, vaping THC is much more, um, much more of an offense than getting caught with like a marijuana cigarette, a joint. And why is that? Cause one is a, a, a misdemeanor and the other is a felony. Yes. So that it's a felony, it's a, it's a state drug felony arrest. So the, those kids who are caught with THC on our campuses, um, they, they have two, you know, they have, they have a double whammy. They have to go through the law enforcement side. Uh, they are arrested. And then they also have to deal with school discipline as well which at that time for us was a 90 day expulsion out, out of our district. And um, so it's, it's a pretty severe consequence for the regular vapes um, right now in our, in our, at our, um, in our district, it's a prohibited item. So they're, they're not, you know, they're not expelled from our district. They're not even necessarily even sent home. They're given in-school suspension currently, but it's a drastic change from a THC vape to a, just a, a regular e-cigarette. Yeah. Hey, Jennifer, why is the, um, why is it, what is the difference though, between the, the marijuana cigarette, the joint or, and the THC? Why is there so much of a difference? I, I, I can't per se say why the, the state policies particularly, right. you know, um, it, it is established that way, but I, I can say that, you know, the difference between smoking a marijuana joint versus vaping THC smoke in itself is harmful to lung health. So uh, whether it's from burning wood, tobacco, marijuana, there's still toxins and carcinogens that are being released um, and irritants into the lungs. When it comes to individuals who are vaping and or dabbing, um, which is another terminology for the highly concentrated THCs that are aerosolized um, in in more of a concentrated matter, um, with, with these products, there's a lot more research that really needs to take place in the impact that that particularly is having directly on lung health and inflammation. Um, But one thing we do know is inhalation of these substances, whether smoking, vaping, either method, you're allowing chemicals to be absorbed into the respiratory system. Um, And of course, nothing other than clean air um, should be um, inhaled into the lungs, especially among our youth. There is no safe level of vaping for Mm -hmm. teens, especially. Mm -hmm. Is there um, a, 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 
gender bent as to who is using it more, um, young men or young women, or is it kind of evenly distributed? What, what, is there any data on that? So one thing I did want to say in the beginning, when you were saying about smoking in the boys' room and the kind of stigma associated yeah. with the traditional tobacco users of, of our day uh, grow, growing up um, in school, I, th it's more about the change in that. So it's no longer the rebel. It's no longer um, the, you know, the, the bad. <laughs> quote unquote kids. It is the aspirational, the college driven, the athletes that are using e-cigarettes and vaping products. Um, it, it's, it really is leaning more towards what some would associate as kind of the, the popular crew, mm -hmm. which is even more concerning because those are in fact the role models that our elementary, our middle school and other high schoolers are, are looking up to. Um, so I think if anything, the trend um, hasn't so much shifted uh, gender base, but more, um, you know, completely changing the imagery of what a tobacco user is among our youth today. Mm -hmm. Wow. So tell us about the 2020 FDA ban on um, flavored cartridge-based um, e-cigarettes. I know that they're trying to uh, curb use by um, youth and we talked about how it's marketed through these yummy flavors. So how did that impact um, usage by youth and what was it exactly? Yeah. So, you know, recent, recent studies are showing that right around 31% of youth who are using e-cigarette and vaping products are doing it because of the flavors, the appealing flavors and following the removal of almost all flavored cigarettes from the marketplace. Um, cigarette smoking rates among youth dropped to historical low levels. So now we know that in fact, this policy is truly effective. However, the remaining flavored tobacco products, including menthol cigarettes, cigars, e-cigarettes, these are still on the market, attracting youth and addicting our next generation. So um, it's really leading to significant increase in overall tobacco use. So although we are winning um, with removal of the flavors from the 2020 FDA ban um, on those unauthorized flavors, um, we still are seeing, you know, a high prevalence rate of um, those youth. So over half of youth cigarette smokers age 12 to 17 started with menthol cigarettes. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a 2019 stat. So you know, close to 70% who use tobacco products are using a flavored product. So the magnitude of the, the flavors and, and exactly what you're saying, I saw um, fruit flavors and chocolate and uh, I mean, cocoa pebbles. I, I don't know oh how many, you know, 65 year olds are going to the store right. seeking out the cocoa, the pebble cocoa pebbles flavor, right? Yes. So this band though only covered vapes that are that are like disposable cartridges right so like the open tank other kinds you can still buy all the flavors for those is that correct yes and uh we're seeing a lot of mixing as well unfortunately and when you start to mix with flavors and chemicals and nicotine um you can imagine that the toxicity levels um are going through the roof and really we're not even understanding um the full impact long term 
of use of these products um, among our youth. So uh, it, incredibly concerning that these flavors are still out there hooking our kids uh, and addicting our next generation. Yeah. Now, I'm just, as we're uh, talking about this, I'm thinking about, so this came out in January 2020, and then the pandemic hit in March 20, I mean, it hit our shores in March 2021, and we had to go home and underground, in a sense. Um, At the local level, um, do do you believe that the pandemic has, I mean, this this is just me thinking, I would think that it has shot up because there's I mean, there's really no, I mean, a lot, there's a lot less accountability, less accountability in the schools. Um, what are your thoughts on, on those things and, and some of the challenges that possibly the pandemic has had on, on the rates and management of, um, of smoking of these types of cigarettes? You can imagine how difficult it is to enforce the school policy through Zoom or a virtual, (laughs) you know, classroom (laughs) opportunity. Um, Also, considering that, you know, these are much more discreet when they're being used. So the, the, the puff of aerosolized, the, the emissions that are coming out, it is not pure water vapor, right? Um, it, it, but it's not as thick as a cloud of cigarette smoke. So it can very discreetly be, you know, dosed by a teen right at the kitchen table while you're having dinner many times undetected and unnoticed. Um, We have noticed a significant shift in the style of device uh, due to the pan um, throughout the pandemic. So really digging into the data, uh, most recently looking at the disposable ones, um, the the actual increase skyrocket of teens who are purchasing the disposable e-cigarette product versus the refillable mods and carts. you know, it'll be interesting to see how this ties in with the pandemic, how the disposable ties in with keeping it discreet and being able to toss it um, before mom and dad come in, um, or even, you know, sharing teen to teen, um, having those disposable Ooh, products. Not so. good during a pandemic. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, it, who regulates what's in these juices in these e-juices is there somebody regulating it how do we know what's in it um you know we we talk about that it's not safe but you know i think if you're just buying it off of some vape website then we don't know what's in it so most tobacco products including e-cigarettes were required to submit a product application to fda um, to really determine whether they should be permitted to stay on the market However, I will say that there is no FDA oversight of the manufacturing of these products, which means there truly is no oversight regarding the potential harmful ingredients, mm-hmm. right? Um, so um, they, the actual composition of the e-cigarette products varies from product to product, and researchers really don't know, um, uh, you know, the, the depth and breadth of all of the different chemicals. I, we have a list of those that are being frequently um, identified through research, um, but, but there really is, you know, no FDA oversight on the manufacturing of the products. And there are products that don't necessarily say on the package that they have nicotine in them, correct? 
That is correct. We are seeing significant inconsistencies with the milligram and dosage that is being placed on the label um, versus what we're getting back. And even research studies that are showing even those that claim to be zero milligram nicotine, in fact, those individuals having traces of cotinine in their blood um, showing there are traces and detectable traces of nicotine in these products claiming to not have any at all. Mm. And Dr. Gibbons, are you finding that students sometimes aren't even aware that that there is nicotine in these? They think that they're just vaping some yummy flavor? Most of the time when we um, find a student who has a vape, they are pretty clear that what they have is not is not appropriate for them to have at a school in regards to what's what it contains. Most of the time, they're pretty savvy on that. But I would agree with Ms. Falkenrock. A lot of times, there may be things they have no idea. They got it from a friend. It says one thing. It looks to be another. Um, the oversight of it can be really kind of scary, honestly, when, when we recover some of those vapes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a few years ago, there was an outbreak of hospitalizations for lung injury and even death from, from vaping. Um, what, what were some of the reasons that were identified, um, from that? So talking a little bit more about Ivali. So, um, the, the emergency department visits related to e-cigarette or vaping, the products continue to decline, um, uh, sharply. They did peak, however, in August, September. 2019. Um, What we did notice through this, uh, there were 68 deaths confirmed in 29 states in the District of Columbia. Um, National data from these reports um, showed that the product sample testing showed the THC containing e-cigarette or vaping products, particularly from informal sources like friends family members, um, or in-person online dealers. So these were specific, uh, you know, cases that weren't as much mainstream mainline. Um, the vitamin E acetate was strongly linked to the Evoli outbreak in itself. So, um, but evidence is not sufficient to rule out um, the contributor of all of the other chemicals of concern um, in these products. And I think we still have a lot more um, that that we could learn about the Evali cases. Um, uh, And also just the diversity geographically, state to state, um, since these were informal sources um, that these products had come from. So um, I'm I don't know if my wife warned you or not. I'm the one that I, I get I get spinoff questions that aren't on the script. <laughs> I love David. I'm down. Toss <laughs> yes. them at me. Thank you. Thank I you. love it. All right, here we go. So is the nature of the smoking, is this a solitary um, uh, adventure of smoking or is it done socially um, and particularly in the pandemic? So is it, if most people just go into the corners and doing their thing by themselves or is it done in a social context? Kind of how how is it typically done? Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking if, if it's socially done, then the impacts on COVID. It, anyway, I'm sorry. Well, kids yeah. are still getting together though. Right, they're, that's true. They're not uh, sheltering in place <laughs> no, for no. sure. 
Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. No, no. And you're right. You know, let's look at trending. So when we, when school was in session, we were following, you know, games of, of youth um, doing Snapchat photos of where they placed their e-cigarette device in this school and send it out to their group. And then whoever could scavenger hunt to find it next, take a hit, re, wow. you know, hide it for another scavenger hunt, Snapchat oh. the photo. Um, you know, it was incredibly social. Um, now with the, the, the pandemic, it really isn't changing. It's just changing the, the way that they're interacting with one another. So we're still using the social media, like the Snapchat, um, you know, kids are still getting together. Uh, and 39% of them say that they are vaping because a friend or a family member, um, does it. So, you know, mm -hmm. there still is that social aspect of identifying with others um, that we are seeing. And I think if anything, boredom, you know, how much time have you had at home being stuck inside? Um, these are incredibly addictive, incredibly addictive. Um, so even those that may have dabbled are now finding themselves hooked and stuck. struggling to quit. Stuck. Dr. Gibbon, have you seen the same thing? Yes, ma'am. We, we've seen um, we've, kids are incredibly creative. You know, there, there are things that we um, as a school district and as educators are you, with these kinds of things, you try to be as proactive as possible and try to stay ahead of some of the things that are going on. But this is a definitely a moving target when it comes to, you know, educators trying to figure out what the next step might be, whether it's what they're doing via social media or the the um, the equipment that they're using, um, you know, if it's in a, in a hoodie and a watch and a flash drive, all of those different things, it's incredibly hard to be proactive. But I know from the school perspective, and I know in Richardson in particular, we are really trying to be proactive in the sense of um, digging it, digging down to the addiction itself, not concentrating so much on the discipline apart, but the empathetic response of we know you're you're addicted to this now let's let's inform you and educate you and get experts like Ms. Falkenroth in front of you so that you can hear some of the dangers that are that are out there for you if you continue with this yeah yeah and we know a lot of the um the concerns about lung uh damage obviously with vape use and you know particularly with the disease we have going around i would think that you would not want to damage your lungs and and cause any cause yourself to be more vulnerable but in addition to that what are some of the um other um possible negative effects of vaping So some of the effects of vaping going beyond just lung health. So particularly when we're talking about youth, additional risks include the brain. So brain development, incredibly vulnerable up until age 25. So youth and young adults are are uniquely at high risk um, for long lasting effects being exposed um, to nicotine with the developing brain prior to that 25 year mark. Um, addiction, so young people's brains build, you know, 
the the connections faster and become hooked and addicted even faster. Um, behavior risks. So, you know, some evidence suggests that e-cigarette use is linked to alcohol use and other substance use, such as marijuana um, and, and other drugs. We also are noticing with e-cigarette and vaping a risk of dual use. So increase in youth that are using multiple tobacco products. So they're not just per se juuling, but they may be juuling and smoking cigarettes and chewing. Um, so really oh, wow. using more than a single product and aerosol and other risks. So when we talk about cigarettes, we always talk about secondhand smoke, but when we are now looking at e-cigarettes and vaping devices, we can't forget the aerosol. Um, this is basically a chemical cocktail filled um, plume. Um, it, it is absolutely not harmless. It contains potentially harmful chemicals, nicotine, the ultrafine particles. When you're breathing these down deeply into the lungs, um, you really are not only in affecting yourself, but also in the vehicle or anyone who happens to be around you. So secondhand aerosol um, is also not safe. So not just the risk to the youth user, but also those uh, around them. Is it more dangerous than secondhand smoke from a cigarette? Or as dangerous? I actually meant as dangerous. It's a it's an excellent question. Um, I I would compare it kind of like oranges and apples, though. Uh, unfortunately, they they don't, um, they're not really able to be uh, compared side by side. I will say that both um, have significant evidence behind them showing the harmful effects um, of both the secondhand smoke and secondhand aerosol or e-cigarette emissions. Um, so neither is safe. It's, oh, I keep, we both keep trying to ask a question. <gasps> I'm trying to get a question. And it is why it's here. You can go, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, with, with all the, you know, the, the, the knowledge that, you know, the, you know, the, the experts such as yourselves know about it, um, kids don't care about all that stuff. No, they don't. What's the draw? Like, what we don't like, remember back in the eighties. No, this is your drug. You're bringing on drugs. Yeah, but if someone on drugs, I've, I've never had smoked drugs, or I've never smoked. But there's something about it. I'm, you know, we know about the taste. But what's what's the feel? They're feeling something when they're taking it. What what's what's the draw that's drawing people in to say yes? I want to keep doing this again because um, I don't want to know about the effects. Like. What does it feel like? How does it feel? Is there any, you know, descriptions or anything you guys could share to help us understand why keep keep coming back again and again for it beyond just then maybe just beyond the taste of it? I'd love to hear um, also from from Dr. Gibbons kind of what he's hearing, um, you know, in in the school hallways. Mm -hmm. But uh, one thing that that we are noticing anecdotally um, through our program facilitators, American Lung Association has a variety of different alternatives to suspension as well as cessation programming. So why is it so tough to quit and what keeps them coming back? Well, highly concentrated amounts of nicotine, added convenience um, because it's so discreet and undetectable, they can do it in more places than they would have traditionally lit a, a cigarette um, previously. Um, and, you know, also the, the technology, 
you know, with mm. up to 8,000 different devices that I, <laughs> 8,000. I mean, the, the amount of different combinations, um, it's, you know, the technology behind it is, um, it, it's fascinating. It's new wave. Um, and it also is what the quote unquote popular kids are doing. Mm. Um, well, this is a, this was originally a smoking cessation device. So for the for those that were actually using it for that, is it giving them the same hit? I mean, again, I've never smoked, so I don't really know what I'm talking about. But is it giving them the same sensation sensation as it was with smoking? So you're not going to experience the same heat um, that, that hot, um, feeling that you would off of puffing off of a cigarette. Um, you will, um, you know, the actual buzz. So we have some kids that say they get Nick sick. Um, so getting Nick sick is really having too much, let's say multiple pods or cartridges, um, in, you know, a single session or even a day and getting Nick sick where they feel physically nauseous and lightheaded and dizzy, nosebleeds. Um, it's kind of like a high. And Dr. Gibbon? Well, some of the responses we got when we met with some high school students when we started our anti-vaping, you know, our, kind of our task force to really figure out what next steps would be were spot on to what Mr. Bailey was saying. You know, they... <laughs> they don't necessarily care about the ins and outs and the, the dangerous pieces, you know, they need, um, it's a social thing. And it's also uh, something that maybe their family does. And then thirdly, it was a stress reliever. So there, you know, from us growing up in high school and kids nowadays, you know, this kind of pandemic population, if, so to speak, the anxiety and the stressors that they're going through, um, this is one of the ways that I know that they felt like they could escape or at least calm calm their nerves when it came to the anxiety of just school or family or both so that's what we saw as well so i'd love to jump into the impact on schools um, and kind of what's being done um, jennifer you guys have uh, the american lung association has a program that goes into schools and you mentioned earlier dr gibbons that you guys have um you guys have set a lot of things up to try to get to raise awareness and get kids to stop. So I'd love to hear how this has impacted the schools and um, what you guys are doing to kind of make a difference in that area. So the American Lung Association has started the Vape Free Schools Initiative. And this really is to help provide direct support to schools and administrators on how to address this epidemic among their student body, not in punitive measures through policy. Um, Dr. Gibbons was saying we have to do more, we have to do more, and, and he's spot on. Um, how do we really truly address the, the nicotine dependence and the, the tobacco dependence um, among our youth and not just punish um, the, the dependency and addiction. So Vape Free Schools Initiative, American Lung Association, it has three different components. Uh, the first is in-depth. This is an alternative to suspension or citation program. So for those students who may um, violate the school campus policy and be caught with a tobacco product um, on campus, they can opt in for an alternative to suspension program that will lead them through um, understanding 
the addiction, understanding what truly is in these products, and also, um, you know, what services are available out there should they want to quit. Um, next component to this, the second component is not on tobacco. Now, not on tobacco is American Lung Association's youth cessation program. It is completely youth centered. It's not a youth version of an adult program. It really truly is for the kids. Um, and the not on tobacco program can be led by a facilitator directly in the school. It can also be done virtually, uh, you know, in um, days of social distancing. The third uh, is the school policy index. So really taking a look at the school's current policy for tobacco use on campus, as well as services that they're able to provide students, faculty, visitors, parents um, who want to quit. Um, going down through their policy and pointing out ways that they can strengthen and enhance it to really combat the epidemic um, uh, full force. So how can it be most comprehensive? So um, alternative suspension program, voluntary youth cessation program and take a look at that policy and see how we can make it the strongest it can possibly be. All right. Thank you. Dr. Gibbons. Um, man, that's great to hear that from Jennifer because we were, um, myself and a, a director in our department was actually having that same conversation this morning with a couple of representatives from the American Heart Association where they have a toolkit that um, they use and they're, we're, you know, uh, going back and forth with them and we're on that same road. Um, We've done lots and lots of um, information and um, sessions for parents, for our students. We, um, we want to be proactive to inform all students of the dangers of, of vaping. And then once we know that there's a student that has participated in that or been caught, we want to offer those cessation, um, less disciplined, more empathetic educational sides of things for, for our district. So, we're, we're spot on with what Jennifer was talking about. And that's, that's what we're looking to do and, and really start moving forward with, even as we get into next year. So what are some of the, um, besides we know about the lung damage, um, but what are the, uh, what are some other um, um, effects, negative effects of vaping? And is there anything out on how it impacts academics? Well, I can, um, we mentioned earlier the one of the negative impacts, of course, if, if, if a student is caught with a THC vape is a felony drug arrest. And for those, you know, for those who are familiar kind of with that and the felony and what that does to the opportunities for a student to go to college, they could lose if they're a senior, for example, and they have a felony drug arrest on their record, they could lose college scholarships, mm. they could lose oh. an, an opportunities to be enrolled in a university. So there are much bigger pieces to that um, that arrest than that students need to be aware of. And in fact, a couple of years ago, we did a, it wasn't very, you know, it wasn't award-winning by any means, but we did a video that we shared with all of our students in high school that showed some of the negative outcomes that could happen if you happen to be arrested for having a THC vape on, on campus. Just trying to give them exposure to this is, these are real things that could happen. So to me and what I deal with on a daily basis, that's a, a pretty negative uh, uh, side effect of, of using a THC vape particularly. And then also the, the suspension and the loss of instruction um, or the expulsion and the loss of, loss of instruction. So you're just kind of out there and you, you've, you've even more license to vape, but <laughs> you're not learning anymore. You think to kicked out. Um, if I could say a little bit about that expulsion, once we found that that was happening and we had over two dozen students expelled, we 
we reinvented a program, a first offender program for students who are caught with a THC vape. So they're no longer expelled. They're, they're, taken, they're um, transferred to our alternative school, but they have the opportunity to, to shorten that length of time if they attend a Saturday class uh, in which we run a, a Saturday class where the students show up, they're educated on the, the dangers of vaping and THC. And also the last hour of that program, their parents are required to show up. So their parents show up, they awesome. have some really good conversation between the student and the parent to really get some things maybe out in the open and um, get a plan moving forward. So we've seen great success in that and a great reduction in our THC um, referrals with no more expulsions, which is really our was our whole goal. And did I see, also see, Dr. Gibbons, that um, originally you guys were sending them to a juvenile justice um, school or a school within the juvenile justice system originally, and then you guys started sending them to something within your district? Or am I misunderstanding that? Yes, is that true? That's correct. Yes, okay. And the reason for doing that? Well, I mean, we want our kids in our district. We, we are committed to our students. We want them here. If we can keep them within our district, control that, give them the information that they need and get them back to their, to their original school, to the teachers that love on them and teach them, to the communities that they're a part of. That's what we want. We don't want to send them 30 miles away for 90 days to a school where they know no one. And we don't, I'm not faulting that school. They would do an excellent job, but we want them in our district. And so that's why we made that change. We can educate them and keep them with us. And hopefully we can try to get that repeat offender percentage down and, and you know, keep them in our district. Mm -hmm. um, so what, what, with the development of, you know, you said before that brains are still developing until the age of 25 and that you know, there are some impacts um, on brain development. Um, do we see a, a dip in academic performance um, from students that are are vaping um, as compared to those who are not, or is there just insufficient data out there on that yet? So, you know, I, I will say that, you know, nicotine, as you're saying, during the developing brain uh, up until age 25. So using nicotine in adolescence can harm parts of the brain that control attention, learning, mood and impulse control, which we know our kids can all. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. We know nothing list. about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, each time a new memory is created or a new skill is learned, uh, stronger connections um, are built in, in between the brain cells. So um, young people's brains really build these connections faster than adults. So nicotine really changes the ways that, that these connections are formed in the brain. So that's a, a long-listing impact as well. But using nicotine in adolescence may also increase risk for future addictions to other drugs. So we're seeing kind of that, that domino effect starting. Um, but yes, research is definitely backing you up, David. It, you know, it is absolutely um, making a difference in terms of, uh, you know, the, the attention span, the learning, the mood, um, and impulse control. Wow. So when I when we decided to do this episode, I talked to a couple of people about vaping, uh, some a stranger on the street, not really on the street, but a stranger as I was shopping with I had a conversation about vaping and with a neighbor. And one of the things I noticed is that when I found out that they vape, there was like this shame and this 
um, just this feeling of, I really, really want to be able to stop this and I can't. So what do you guys share with uh, the people that you speak to about how to overcome this addiction? Excellent question. So e-cigarette vaping products, they're, they're all tobacco products. And at the end of the day, the, you know, the, the methodology behind behavior modification and changing that and transitioning through quitting um, is similar across the board. Um, we, we recommend that individuals always um, develop a quit plan that includes two different components, both an FDA approved medication, a cessation medication, over-the-counter or prescription, as well as counseling, um, actually enrolling in a program and gaining that support and that step-by-step plan um, that can be individualized to you. So counseling plus medication is going to give you the biggest chances of success and maintaining that tobacco-free lifestyle. Um, I would also just say you have to really want to quit for it to work. Unfortunately, um, you know, the, the shaming, the guilt, the, the feeling like you should quit because of others, unfortunately, is not, not going enough. to keep you in for the long haul. You really have to want to quit and have your own personal reasons um, for it to, to be truly successful. Dr. Gibbons, what are you guys sharing with students? Because to David's point, they don't care about all that. So you were just saying, Jennifer, you have to want it. You know, the first step is admitting that you have a problem we hear all the time, but then having a desire to do this. And if this is the cool, the in thing to do, what are you guys sharing with um, with students to make a difference in their opinion about this? Yes, I don't know when it happened that I became uncool, but it certainly happened and it's sticking around and not going away. So um, I totally agree with that. You know, um, te- teachers can develop amazing relationships with students, and we know that, that that can be impactful, those types of conversations, but even more impactful are student-to-student conversations. And so um, some of our peer mediator, peer mentor, our mentors within our high schools We've done, um, for the last couple of years, we've had programs that go down to the junior highs and even to the elementary level, where high school students are talking to younger students about the dangers of these types of, you know, uh, e-cigarettes and and vaping and those kinds of things. And then we've also done that um, at the high school level, where we've had leaders at the high school, leaders, leadership, uh, student leadership at the high school share um, some of their struggles with other, other students at the high school level as well. We, we, um, we want to avoid, uh, we want to stop avoiding um, tough conversations with our kids, not only in the area of vaping, but in all the other areas that when we're talking about mental health, when we're talking about, you know, um, just suicide awareness, vaping, um, violence, anything, we want to get that out there and have those conversations and try to help support our kids. So we use kids to help, um, to really help our other kids that, that we found that to be the most most useful. Mm -hmm. And how do, you know, we've got a lot of parents listening. And so how do we start having these conversations with our children? How do we broach this subject and, and say something hopefully that, you know, we don't sound completely crazy and, but something that they'll actually listen to. So American Lung Association uh, has launched a get your head out of the cloud 
uh, campaign. And this is all about helping to provide parents with the tools necessary to have this conversation. Um, So talking to your kids about vaping and e-cigarette use while they are still willing to listen. Um, If listeners go to lung.org, they can download a parent conversation guide. We have um, lots of tips in there, general conversation guide for guiding the questions, what even to ask, how to approach the conversation with the kids, and also having a little bit of, you know, knowledge and intel, just as you did your homework prior to, to, to doing this, uh, this conversation, this podcast today, um, you know, doing a little bit of digging and, and understanding. So before you talk, you know, knowing the facts, um, putting yourself in your kid's shoes prior to the conversation while you're talking, how to acknowledge your, your child's, you know, independence and, and really make sure that the uh, message is coming across. One that we are really noticing is most impactful is talking about how big tobacco companies, the tobacco industry is manipulating our youth. If there's one thing that is getting the perk up and um, getting teens motivated to fight back against this epidemic and refuse to be the next number is the fact that the tobacco industry is seeing them all as replacement customers. Replacement Mm. customers for those that they lose every single day who die from their deadly products that they're putting out. So when we can have that conversation with our kids and let them know the manipulation that is taking place, um, we can have a little bit different of a mindset um, and engaging them in wanting to, to push back. That is awesome. And, you know, I never thought of that about that. And this this particular generation is one that is just not willing to is is more interested in causes and things like that, but also just not willing to, you know, um, give in to the man and, and <laughs> that sort of thing. So I can see that that would be um, just very, very effective to let them know they're praying after you guys. They are specifically Um, marketing to you guys and product developing so that that you guys can be hooked and, um, and turn into lifelong users. Absolutely. Yeah. And any of the listeners, you can uh, go directly to talk about vaping.org and download that parent conversation guide and really prepare yourself to have that conversation, some quick tips. Um, And, you know, and you don't always have to have the answers either. Let let the teens be the expert in the conversation. Ask for their perspective on the products. Um, I think, you know, have making sure that the conversation is two-way is going to go really, really far and making sure that uh, what's discussed resonates after the conversation is over. Yes. Well, one last question. Um, two, because I have one also. Oh, two. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to uh, bring it on home there. Um, so what would you say to a parent who may be smoking or vaping themselves? Oh, that's good. Um, about their mm-hmm. child. Does the conversation to me start with themselves first? Or is it a, you know, child, this is for you, but not me? Or like, uh, how, how, what would, what would you say to parents who may be wanting to get out, struggling to get out, or maybe considering uh, everything we're sharing today? So, you know, who I need to make the change myself. Um, how would you encourage them as they encourage their, their children? Be open and transparent of the struggles of the dependence um, on 
the tobacco product use and and talk about um, any past quit attempts that potentially you you have have tried yourself. Um, talk about the addiction. Be open and transparent. I think just being real with with your teen and saying, "Hey, this is not you know it, it, we're going to have this conversation about these products." And I know that you know you see me doing this every day, but this is a serious dependence. It's a serious addiction, um, and I, I I pray it it never happens to you. So let's have a talk. Um, and recruit your recruit the kids, uh, recruit your teens to help support you when you are ready to make a quit attempt yourself, so that they can see what that journey is like, um, having to break free from from nicotine. Yeah, and Dr. Gibbons, you said that you require that parents are part of that program. So I'm sure I'm sure you've seen some of this as well that parents are using it and kind of do as I say, do not as you see me do. Yes, yes, ma'am. And, you know, um, especially with the THC, there's such a prevalence of marijuana, uh, you know, and some states it's legal for people, you know, some states it's not. There's there's a lot of that. So kids are they get mixed messages on a lot of different things. But to make to make uh, their own decision to not live in isolation when it comes to something that they may be addicted to and to have someone, especially from my perspective at the school that they trust, they can talk to and um and not feel like they're going to get in, in trouble, but they're going to be, you know, uh, a trusted adult is, is really important. And that's what we're aiming to do here in, in our school district. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for your work. This is so such an important topic. And um, you guys have shared some really helpful information to parents. So thank you guys both for your time. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Noggin Educational Foundation is the premier sponsor of School Days, so we always want to let you guys know what's happening with Noggin. We're currently taking applications for two of our programs. Noggin offers 12 hours of free private tutoring to students through our educational coaching program. Also through our ARD advocacy program, parents receive support in securing services and accommodations their kids need at school for learning disabilities and special needs. With the closure of schools and distance learning, the education gap for low-income students has widened and the one-on-one -on -one intervention we provide is vital. See our website, nogginfoundation.org, or email me at danita at nogginfoundation.org. My name is spelled D-O-N-E-D-A, and you can get more details. In April... We will have David back on the show again as Say a guest. What? Yes. You, you made it happen? Well, you did so well that first time. Oh, thank It's happening this year? <laughs> Stop Next it. month. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're welcome. Go, 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 ahead, go ahead with your script. Go You're ahead. welcome. <laughs> He's going to be talking to us about study skills. And also in April, we've invited the team from the Critical Thinking Project at the University of Queensland in Brisbane, Australia, to talk to us about developing critical thinking skills in kids. So be checking our social media and our website for details and tell a friend. And as always, head to our website, schooldazedshow.com, for more information about all that we're doing and the resources mentioned on School Days. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, 
Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Audible, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facegram, (laughs) Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. And last but not least, David and I always like to end the show by saying that we are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the strength and the wisdom that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you would like to know more about that, feel free to email me at info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week and stay safe. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.